All right, well, let's have a word of prayer. Here's where we begin. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be back with, uh, with each other and in your house around your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this discussion time. Help us, Lord, to uh, be able to get uh, some real um, uh, practical help and application uh, to the scripture and, and to specifically the uh, message this morning on godliness. I pray that we would not be intimidated by the topic, but rather uh, be liberated in our pursuit of godliness, uh, the biblical way. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, first Peter, second Peter, chapter one, verse five says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So we looked at the matter of godliness this morning, and as I mentioned, it can be intimidating talking about godliness. Is anybody else, in, I mean, do you ever feel that, some intimidation, even when you're talking to your kids, you know, about doing right and being godly? Uh, you live with them, they live with you, they know that you're not always godly, you're not always nailing this just right. And so the topic can definitely be a little overwhelming, a little, a little um, uh, intimidating. But as I looked at this and prepared to preach it, I was helped by seeing that what I need to focus on is the pursuit of godliness as opposed to uh, just the destination. Am I godly? Am I godly enough? How godly am I compared to somebody else? If you're just thinking about the, the destination part of it, I think it can get kind of hairy and, and you can really begin to trip yourself up. Uh, but just focus on that pursuit. Um, we had that train picture, if we could put that up there. Uh, godliness kind of encapsulates the first four virtues and then good works, uh, the next uh, couple of virtues. Uh, those virtues that are personal between us and the Lord, and then those virtues that are loving our neighbor as ourselves. So the first four, loving God with all my heart. The second four, loving my neighbor as myself. And as we mentioned, godliness is the crown and summary of those first four virtues of, of uh, um, excellence, of one's purpose, knowledge, self-control, endurance. And just again, in case you missed this morning, I do want to give you the definitions that we talked about. Uh, it's, it, it is the idea of worship that is worthy of God, that I would be that one who is uh, a, a worshiper, not that I'm worthy of him, but that we are moving toward him. It uh, carries the idea of authentic piety or true religion, authenticity. And this is, again, why it's so intimidating when we talk about authentic anything. Uh, you might be like, oh boy, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think I'm authentic, but I know I'm, I'm not always and so forth. Um, but the focus needs to be on the God of the godliness, not just uh, my godliness, all right? Uh, Berg's, Jim Berg's uh, definitions were helpful. A God-fearing lifestyle that promotes righteousness and opposes evil. And then he also had the, the longer definition. Where did I put that? Godliness is a vibrant personal relationship with God that manifests itself in actions consistent with who God is. Sorry for that 
uh, that, uh, that should be capitalized. Uh, but anyway, godliness is a vibrant personal relationship with God that manifests itself in actions consistent with who God is and with what he is doing in the earth. And the, again, none of us can live up to that. None of us can claim that, oh yeah, I got it. Yep, me and God, we've got this thing down. Um, but uh, again, as I mentioned this morning, the emphasis needs to be on the first half of this, that vibrant personal relationship with God that manifests itself in actions consistent with God, with who God is and what he is doing. And many of us, if you're like me, you have gotten off on the focus on just the externals and the actions and tried to play that backward. And we would look at people, oh, he's godly, he's godly, she's godly, she's godly. Well, why? Well, look at them, obviously. And we just kind of play it backward. Uh, you can't just play it backward. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, some teenagers figure out that game and they realize I don't have to be godly as long as I can just look godly. And then I just get to sail. Free pass. No one will talk to me. No one will be getting, no one will be getting in my space. And yet there's nothing really happening in the heart. So uh, I have some questions written down as always, but I always like to hear from you guys. I'm not going to re-preach my whole message. That's enough for now. Who has a thought or a question from this morning? Thought or a question or comment? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sure. Excellent. The older brother of the prodigal son followed all the rules, had everything as it was supposed to be, but he did not have the heart of the father. And so in that analogy, he, did, he wouldn't have had godliness, not a true heart godliness. Good point. Yes, sir, Brother Steve. Yes. Yes, it would definitely be fair to say that, and especially in Psalm 119, that, that, that theme comes out loud and clear. Um, let me just turn over there again. That whole chapter is his pursuit of God. David is the one who has said, had the, um, <clears throat> the, the, the heart after, uh, the one who had the heart, his heart after God, and he didn't just have that happen. He, he was completely devoted to his word. Over and over and over in Psalm 119, you have the phrase, teach me. Uh, verse 33, teach me, O Lord, of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. And over and over, the idea of him sitting at God's feet, learning, teaching. Which one? I'm sorry, I thought I heard somebody say something. 133 as well. Let's see. Order my steps in thy word, and let not and the iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. I mean, he was diligently 
putting his life under the microscope of God's word and zealously pursuing God. And that was the point of this, the, uh, of that, that, uh, of this morning's um, section on David. It's not that he was godly because of everything he did, because he didn't always do the best stuff. He was godly because of his zeal in his pursuit of the Lord and his humility to be humble and, and respond with repentance when he did step out of line, and he did that many times. Um, but, but it was not necessarily that he had everything perfect in his life, which helps me, and I hope it helps you, because I mean, who is godly? Who could possibly be godly? Uh, or the man after God's own heart, or whatever, the woman after God's own heart. Um, well, David gives us hope. This was his passion to know God and to uh, submit his life in every detail to the scrutiny of God's word, to be ordered after his word. Um, yeah, I, I, I was hoping someone would ask about David, so I'm glad you, you brought him up, uh, because I think he definitely defies the typical stigma we have about God, godliness. You know, godliness is stuffy. Uh, it's nose-in-the-air piety. Um, I, I, I know that Hollywood loves to make fun of the preacher or the godly man. They're the, the weirdos, out of touch and everything. Um, I was uh, at the basketball court as a kid. You know, the guys said, do you ever watch The Simpsons? I'm like, no, don't watch The Simpsons. Don't need to watch The Simpsons. Like, well, we're going to start calling you the Flanders. I don't know who this guy is. I looked it up. I guess the Flanders were the religious people in the show. I think I got that right. I don't even know. Now. I might have their name wrong. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we, got, we were supposedly the religious people, right? Me and my brothers and, uh, and so forth. And I thought, well, isn't that something that, that, there's, that there's even on a show like that, there's this idea that if you're godly, you're weird. You're, you're out of touch uh, and so forth. David was very in touch. He was down to earth. He was practical. He was what you see is what you get. He didn't do everything right, but he was humble. He was honest. He was willing to confess his sin. He was willing to repent of his sin. And he was uh, just so serious about pursuing the Lord. My major takeaway from David is uh, the pursuit of godliness uh, is possible. We can pursue godliness and see much more victory in this life than maybe we would think. Uh, David should give us all hope in that regard. Other thoughts on that or any other? Yes, sir. God's speed? Just God's blessing? Yep, yep. Other questions? Or comments on that? Or a comment you had from this morning, a question. So there's not a direct reference to it, but it's another one of those situations where uh, if our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, we want to submit ourselves to him to be a good steward of our body, then those things that are harming our body, uh, we should be willing to let go of. Uh, and people argue over these things. People argue over tobacco. They argue over uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, but I believe a Christian who wants to give God 
his best and, and uh, that takes an honest look at Scripture, would be willing to let those things go in that pursuit of Christ-likeness, in that pursuit of godliness. And God will help you to do that. Those are not easy things to do. Just to stop tobacco on, on a dime. Uh, but as you are pursuing the Lord and as you are tapping into His grace and His strength, uh, you might be surprised what God will do to help you with that and what brothers and sisters in Christ will do to help you. Sometimes we don't get victory over these things because we try to do it all by ourselves in secret. Um, you know, one thing I appreciate about King David's journey is he was pretty much out there. You know, you kind of see David's journey right through the Psalms. He's, you, you read a Psalm and he's like, oh, he's having a bad day. <laughs> he's having a bad day. He's not even trying to cover it up. Uh, but because of that, you let people into your life and others can help you. Others can come around you. And if you do have an issue like that, uh, don't keep it to yourself. Let somebody else pray with you and help you as you're moving toward that life of godliness. Yes, sir. Amen. I appreciate that. When you think about Jeremiah that says, the heart is deceitful and, uh, and desperately wicked above all things, who can know it? And then you mentioned God sees that heart, mine and yours and David's, and yet he's considered the man after God's own heart. It does go to show how God, how merciful God is and how, how loving he is and, and even uh, everything that he sees, he still sees that, that surrender to him that pursuit of him, that desire uh, to surrender ourselves to him. Amen. That's good. Well, let's, let me ask this question, and this is um, straight out of the notes this morning. So how do you cultivate godliness as a Christian? How do you cultivate godliness as a Christian? Just be more godly, right? Just be more godly. Stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing this, stop doing that, right? That's why I said this morning, right? Isn't it? No? Amen. So you're, you're hitting right on it. How do you cultivate godliness as a Christian? Well, you begin to nurture those first four virtues, starting with purpose, 
uh, as it's translated into King James, virtue, with the idea of uh, excellence in the purpose God has fit us for. Uh, cultivate those first four virtues. And I tell you, that helps me because just focusing on godliness seems so overwhelming, so impossible. And if you're like me, you've tried certain things and, oh, it's not working. And, and um, uh, there's hope when you just back it up. Back it up and let's start with add to your faith virtue, purpose, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, endurance. And I'll tell you, what would you call a man or woman who's saved, full of faith, surrendered to their purpose, and fulfilling that purpose? They know Jesus Christ intimately, they have temperance. They have self-control. Their body has been brought under the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not just going after every lust and whim and so forth. They also have endurance through trials and suffering. What would you call that person? Godly, right? Exactly. That's a godly person. That's a God-like person. And so uh, I think it will help us to not be overwhelmed if we will just focus on what God wants us to cultivate. Not just focus on the godliness, but focus on this process. Jason? Amen. That's excellent. And you're being authentic with each other. Getting back to the definition, authentic piety true religion was how it was in the notes. And uh, I think when you're talking with someone like that, an accountability partner, being authentic, um, in one sense, you might think, well, now the cat's out of the bag. 
now they know I'm not the best Christian. I'm not as godly as I look on Sunday morning. But what we think is, oh, it's over. Actually, no, now you're actually stopping into, stepping into godliness. Because godliness is not a pretense. Godliness is not an act. It's not a mask that we put on. Oh, it's time for church. Where's my mask? Where, oh, godly mask. Off to church we go. That's not what it is. And so while you may feel like it's almost like spiritually undressing, you know, this is too vulnerable, I can't do this. No, now you're actually stepping into authentic piety, true religion. You're stepping out into real godliness. It is not that a godly person never does this, this, or this. It's that a godly person will own it, confess it, forsake it, repent of it, get help with it. Oh, is that what a godly person is? I think sometimes we, we, have, we have the wrong idea of what a godly person is. I thought a godly person never would have had this come into their mind. No, not a godly person who's being honest. Lindsay, you had your hand up. Yes, absolutely. We can be overwhelmed with the journey, and it seems so far away. But in a sense, godliness is the journey. It is that pursuit, that one step, next step, next step, just responding to the Lord and continuing to be humble. Yes, sir? Amen. Yeah. Amen. So he, if you didn't hear that, he's saying God wouldn't give you salvation without also giving you the tools that you need for the Christian life, for victory over sin, and for that authentic Christianity. Uh, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up about things that God's not beating ourselves up for. Uh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have, oh, I should have been better than that. No, it, just admit that you're needy. <laughs> Humble yourself to it. Instead of like falling apart because you sinned. <gasps> I'm not saying that we should take sin lightly, but d don't, don't see yourself higher than you should see. You know, this, I got in the flesh. This is what happens when I get in the flesh. I'm going to own it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to talk to my wife, you know, whatever. I'm going to get this matter right. I'm going to ask God for help. I'm going to look at the scriptures. Um, this doesn't change my standing with God. It doesn't mean I'm not a godly person. Uh, godly people deal with sin. Godly people are humble. And as I mentioned this morning, the righteous man falls seven times and rises yet again. You know, sometimes what happens is we live in such an unauthentic Christian experience that when someone does sin in our midst, it so throws us off like, oh my, brother so-and-so sinned at church in the parking lot. You know, I saw this thing go down. What in the world? What kind of a church am I going to? 
Maybe we should just be a little more authentic with each other and the surprise wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> Pray for me, I'm struggling. Pray for me, I'm having a hard day. It's been rough at work. May I boiled over in the parking lot or whatever the case may be. I hope nobody had hard words in the parking lot today because I'm not gunning for anybody, all right? Um, but I, I think sometimes we're, we're shocked that a godly so-and-so had, no, had some issue no, we, we shouldn't be shocked by that, and rather we should be living authentic lives. And what Jason said, going back to what he said, um, having accountability is a great blessing. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Someone that you can walk with, talk with, be real with, and you're not worried about what's he going to do, what's he going to say, what is this going to cost me if I'm vulnerable. Uh, no, there's safety. There should be safety within brothers and sisters in Christ who are pulling for each other. So how we cultivate godliness, we have to be willing to cultivate godliness by, uh, develop, develop godliness by cultivating those first four virtues. Knowing your purpose, uh, committing yourself to a deeper knowledge of him, the matter of temperance, that's another surrender issue. Surrendering now to who you've been getting to know. I know my Lord, and I know he wouldn't want this. I know he would want this. And then endurance through the trials. God is cultivating godliness in our lives. Other thoughts that you have uh, on, on this point so far, as far as cultivating godliness, or how we cultivate godliness. Yes, sir, Brianna, and then uh, Cindy. You nailed it. That's good. A couple of good nuggets there, brother. I, I, I need to write that down. Um, the, the thing you said about that which is secret is oftentimes the most universal. I hope you guys caught that. That's so true. Uh, we have these universal problems that we all pretend we don't have. And it's like if we all pretend at the same time, maybe it'll go away. No, it's not going to go away. In fact, it's going to get worse because no one's talking about it. No one's willing to address it. And we're all suffering with it. We can't learn from anybody else's experience. We're all on an island. And the sad thing is, it's universal. Uh, so, yeah, I love that. And then the last thing you said was light is healing. And that is true. What comes into the light, you know, even what, do, is it the vulture that opens up his mouth to the sun? Do I have that right? Doesn't the vulture open up his mouth to the sun and, and the sun's rays 
bake out the bacteria from the garbage he just ate. I think I got that right. I, I learned that somewhere. Wikipedia probably or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the light has some healing properties. And if you take it in the spiritual sense, that God is light and him is no, dark, no darkness at all. As we step into the light, who do we find? Him. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Come out of the darkness into the light. Why don't we do this? The fear of man brings a snare. It's the fear of man, fear of man, fear of man. I'm not going to talk about my issues. Why? Because someone will think I'm not godly. What if godly people talk about their issues? Well, that may be true, but that's not how we believe godly people talk. <laughs> so we've redefined godliness. The godly people go, mm -hmm. just smile and shake hands, smile and shake hands. And not, you know, we have to start thinking about how God actually defined it. So thank you for that. Good, good nuggets there. Yeah, Lindsay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Satan, Cindy, you had your hand up too, right? Uh, I'll come right to you. Um, Satan delights to convince you that you're the only one, that you are just messed up. The world has never seen what you are dealing with. And you know what? Just keep it to yourself. You don't want to contaminate the rest of these perfect people. Don't mess up their lives. It's bad enough that your life is is terrible, right? We buy these lies and Satan wins. He is the liar. He is the father of lies. Um, pray for our church that we will be able to continue to develop more and more of a culture of authentic, real conversations. I think we've come a long way. I think God is, is helping us all. It's not easy for any of us. But I think God is helping us. That, pray that we'll just continue in that direction. I think if we'll remind ourselves that this is what godly people do, as opposed to if I talk, if I'm vulnerable, people will know I'm not godly. <laughs> if we can get that flipped around, that'll help us. Cindy? Absolutely. Certainly. You, you do. Yeah, you're in. Absolutely. Yeah, we become like who we walk with. And if you're yoked up with the Lord, depending on him, getting to know him, um, you would imagine there's going to be some transfer there, right? That's what uh, the Bible teaches us. Good. Other thoughts on that? Uh, these are good points. Good. Yes, sir. That's great. That is great. 
the, the, I think sometimes with the hypocrisy thing, we fear, um, we fear if, we're, if we are broken, and if we're honest and broken, the people will know that there is an area of hypocrisy in my life. Truth is, that's there regardless. That's there regardless. So do we want the victory or do we want the pretense? And I think many times we just settle for the pretense. All of us have done it. It's just, it's just what we're so used to. Uh, but you're right. There has to be that brokenness that then leads into the joy, forgiveness, freedom. Amen. So Steve? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good. Well, I want to ask this one as well. Um, I mentioned this morning in regards to our kids, sometimes our kids can just skate right through, and then it's not just kids, it's big kids who just, everything's good, you know, and as long as, you know, if you learn the externals, if you learn the actions, if you learn the schedule, if you learn, uh, I hate to say it this way, the game, then, um, Everybody assumes, oh, you're godly, you're good, and we're going to focus on everybody else and go after them uh, because they don't have the externals, and, and, and you just fly right on through. Many times parents are bewildered, like, where did we go wrong with this kid? I'm not saying this is the case every time, but everything looked so good. Well, we obviously forgot about or maybe got something backwards. Maybe we, we didn't ask enough questions because we saw what we wanted to see, you know, um, but I, I, I want us to talk about this here because this affects child rearing, it affects discipleship, it affects uh, church health, how we navigate this matter of um, an inside out or an outside in pursuit of godliness. Uh, so I mentioned this morning I was a principal and I focused on the big fires, and I focused on the big stuff. And then afterwards, I realized, wow, some of the most ungodly kids went all the way through 
my year as a principal and I never talked to them. I never did anything because they had everything perfect. How can we combat this? How can we get around this? Uh, thoughts on this? What are we doing to contribute to this that we need to shore up in our thinking, in our approach, with our discipling, with our teaching, with our child rearing? Any thoughts on this one? Yes, Cindy. Yeah? Amen. Communicate, 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 she said. Keep that conversation open. You know, the, the, the conversation is kind of a window into the soul, and it is hard to bubble over about that which isn't bubbling. <laughs> There's just nothing in there. And so we as parents need to make sure we're not fooled by our children who maybe have all their T's crossed and their I's dotted, uh, and sometimes we parents, let's just be honest, we can get proud. I'm proud of my kids. My kids don't do that. My kids don't run in church. My kids never get in trouble. You know what? You want to start praying that they do. It might be the best thing. If you have a kid that never, ever, ever gets in trouble, nothing ever comes up nothing's ever out of joint someone's getting duped i'm just going to be honest because there's a real flesh and nobody gets a pass on that uh and and so sometimes we parents are a little proud and because of our pride of our perfect little ducklings we don't have those conversations that cindy's talking about communicate 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 we're we're lackadaisical in our pursuit because life is good. They're good. Look at my kid. I wish everybody else would look at my kid and do what my kid is doing. You know, come on. But actually, there may be some heart needs that are not there. Bottom line is, don't take anything for granted with your kid. Or, let's take this up a, a notch, to the guy or girl you're discipling, you're mentoring, the person in your class, the person in the pew, two pews down or whatever, don't take anything for granted just because that they're always in their place, always on time, always dressed right, always have that Bible tucked right here, always, always, all, you know what? That's great and that's good, but there could still be some real needs and they need a real friend with real relationships that will ask real questions and have real prayer times, not just surface and this is definitely, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me while I'm talking to you. Uh, as a pastor, I do tend to get caught up in the fires. You know, oh no, the, the so-and-sos, and here we go. And put out that fire, Whew. oh no, the so-and-sos, put out that fire. And you can run from fire to fire to fire, and you take for granted the guy who's next to you handing you buckets, and you're like, praise the Lord for so-and-so. He's always handing me buckets as we put out fires. 
and you just take him for granted, and you, you, forget, you don't even realize he's wearing down. He's, he's running out. He's on empty, and that's what God's talking to me about. I want to not take for granted any faithful servant who is working, laboring, you know, and so forth. There still may be needs, struggles, and, and issues, and honestly, that faithful servant right here may be less inclined to talk to me because I don't want to let him down. I've been at his elbow through thick and thin, and I don't want him to know that I have this problem. It would crush him. No, actually, it's not going to crush me. I got some problems too. Let's not talk, okay? Uh, we, we've got a lot more in common than we think. Uh, what he said, uh, the most universal things are the most private. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so let's not take anything for granted. Pursue, communicate, ask questions. Don't just assume. Yes. Yes. Amen. So that ties in with what Brother Hurst said, getting to brokenness. There has to be not just the conforming, conforming, but we have to get to brokenness where their heart is now aligning with God's heart and they're seeing their sin and they're saying, oh, this is bad. I need the Lord. Um, I am guilty sometimes of taking the quick route in discipline as a dad. You know, we're busy. And I, I know I have to discipline, so it's kind of like you check the box. But what she said is right on. That's what we talk about. We want, to, we want to do that. I want to take the time to get to the heart of the matter, to get to that brokenness where my child has not just gone through some motions of discipline, but there's a victory that's been won. That does take time. You know, it's interesting. We're, we're raising our kids right along with a lot of you. Some of you already raised your kids. Uh, but all of you, regardless of whether or not you have kids or don't have kids, you're all watching the barbers raise ours. <laughs> And that's a little scary, frankly. But uh, I know that we're going to make mistakes. I know that we're going to struggle. I know that our kids are going to have their challenges, and we may have some huge challenges. I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is, it's okay. That's okay. It's okay for you to see what I'm doing and for me to see what you're doing. 
Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about it. Let's not be embarrassed. I can't believe my kid did that. Oh, come on. He's just like you. <laughs> so uh, you probably would do that too if you're honest, right? Uh, let's not, yeah, let's get off of our high horse. Um, you know, look at myself in the mirror. Yeah, my kid could do that. I, I, I could do that. My kid could do that for sure. Um, so let's, let's be authentic. Be authentic. And with our kids, um, let's focus on the internals, not just quick put on this mask, quick do this, shape up, shape up. People are watching. That's the kind of thing that is going to undo godliness because it will drive the rebellion deeper and you will have a harder time smelling it and seeing it and being able to deal with it. We don't want to drive rebels underground. We want to bring the rebellion out so we can talk about it in the open. You need to have safe conversations where the kid knows or the discipler, disciplee knows, we can talk about this. It's okay. So this is something, boy, I tell you, uh, this is where it gets real, especially if you've got kids, uh, because, um, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. But we can, oh, yes, yes, ma'am. That's all right. Yeah. Amen. Appreciate you sharing that. If you didn't hear all that, she said, uh, you know, we have to not get angry. Otherwise, that will close down conversations. It will shut them up quick and drive things underground. That's hard. Sometimes you're angry. So maybe you need to take a little bit of time, walk with the Lord, draw in, and then maybe have that conversation. Yes, Jason?
Amen. Yeah. 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 Amen. Thank you for bringing that up. And if you don't have kids, there's still application to you there. You know, you might not have kids, so no one's telling on your kids or coming to confront your kids, but they're bringing it to you. Uh, receive that. If you are the person who sends people packing because they brought something to you, you will be the loser because people will stop knocking on your door. They will stop coming to you with whatever it is because like you say, it's, it's just not worth their time and agony. You know, I should say this, but he's not going to like it. I don't have time. I'm going to go talk to so-and-so. He listens, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But now let's go into your exact application to kids. Um, yeah, parents, let's not be untouchable, and our kids are not untouchable. It does sometimes get wearisome. We've got kids, and it is, it is tough when your kid does the same thing to the same kid every single week, <laughs> and you get the same text, uh, your kid did it again, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, I'm sure he did. <sighs> you know, uh, but we we do need to work with each other and you know keep bringing things to me about my kids keep bringing things to my wife it's nice when it comes in a good spirit that's always a blessing but even if it doesn't come in a good spirit we need to receive that and recognize it is for our good and leave the spirit of the individual to the lord maybe god will give you an opportunity to to talk to them about that in time don't do it right there it's not a good time a different time you might say hey you know you could approach this a little bit differently that might help me out um, but I'm totally with you, Jason. You're exactly right. Uh, we are on the same team. Don't be intimidated by somebody who's coming to you about something. Hopefully, they do come in the, in the right spirit, but recognize this is, this is also for our good. It's for our edification, and, it, and it's a, it is of help. I remember in one situation, <clears throat> you know how in evangelism, I've been able to be in a lot of churches with a lot of people, a lot of different philosophies of ministry. You know, not every church is run the same way. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> uh, churches are run a lot of different ways. And there was one church I was in where uh, the pastor's family was untouchable. You could just see nobody would dare talk to the pastor or his wife about his kids. And let me tell you, the people who were hurt in that scenario were his kids. They didn't get what everybody else got. Everybody else, you know, uh, gets bullied, beat up, put down, ridiculed, you know, and we come through it and we're actually okay and we're harder for it and tougher for it, whatever else. God beats some pride out of us, you know. But uh, this little, this, th these kids, no, way, no one's touching that. And, and if they did something wrong, no one's touching that. It's like they are just sequestered away. And that hurts, that hurts you, your kids. Uh, we need to nurture an environment of saying, hey, you can talk to me. Please talk to me about me, about my kids, about my ministry, whatever I'm doing. And that's going to help us as we are cultivating these virtues and cultivating godliness. I think someone else, oh, yes. 
Sure. Excellent. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And there's a way to do that decently and in an order. And there's a, a way that it can get out of hand. But as the kids mature, I think that can happen more and more effectively when they're three, four, it's not going to happen that well, right? Or six even probably. But the, uh, letting our kids grow into maturity is very important. And having more and more conversations of, of an open, mature level uh, and, and extending that opportunity for them to speak clearly. If I am, Bible says, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. If I'm doing that, I have a 13-year-old son. You know, he should be able to come to me. Uh, it has to be done with respect has to be done with humility. There's a certain way it has to be done, right? But if it's not done with respect, if it's not done with humility, hopefully the conversation that follows that conversation, mm-hmm. you have a good point. Yes, certainly, certainly. Yeah, so you'd have to correct what needs to be corrected, but yet there's still a nugget to take away and to, and to move forward on that. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. So having that openness with our kids, and that's going to actually help them in their pursuit of godliness. Because if it's just dad is a hypocrite and dad gets to do whatever he wants and he has the floor and I can't wait till I'm dad and I can do whatever I want and I have the floor. You know, that's not helping us nurture godliness. We, we need to have an openness and, and, and a vulnerability even at home. Amen, absolutely. Uh, right back here. Yes, I'm sorry. You were, you were uh, there we go, go ahead. When you, when you don't know how to discipline in a certain situation? So that like, yeah, we're old school and we're out of touch and our kids know better than we do and that kind of a thing, right? 
So we have to keep coming back to the Bible, bring it back to the Word of God. This is where, you know, none of us had the Bible memorized, you know, but we need to be students of the Bible. And if we don't know where to find it, we tell our kid, give me a second, I'm going to find it and get back to you, you know, and look up some of those verses on uh, honoring parents, Ephesians 6, you know, obeying uh, and submitting to our parents like we would submit to God. And then there's uh, Jesus had a lot to say about violence, you know, uh, turn the other cheek and, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you and just say, who is Jesus not hip enough? You know, is Jesus out of touch? Um, I think he is, he is timeless. His truth is timeless, right? So this is why it's important to keep bringing it back to the word and and having a family devotion time can help you get ahead of that, where my, my wife and I will see that we have something happening in our family that's consistent. We have a problem in this arena. We'll get together to talk about it. And we have a chalkboard by our kitchen table. And we, we have a, a, a verse passage. If you want to know what we're dealing with, come over and look at our chalkboard. Okay. Oh, the barber is having trouble with their temper. It's on the chalkboard. Uh, and we have a, a passage, and we will work on that passage at the dinner table. We'll all quote it together. You can erase different words and stuff. And then that'll be my, my family devotions will oftentimes come from the verse from the chalkboard. We'll be talking about it. And then how do we apply it? And where are we blowing it? You know, and who needs to get right with who? And we'll have some good, authentic, and sometimes it gets a little out of control. And have to, hang on, bring it back in. Um, but bringing things to the Word of God then makes it so it's not about you, it's about Him. And you're just lining yourself up with Him. And this is the proper authority structure. God, His Word, parents, kids. And just keep hitting that and don't be shy about it. You know, and it's going to take time. Be patient. Keep at it. Uh, and sometimes um, you can bring in maybe a friend from church can help you do a Bible study with the kids as well. Then they're hearing it from another voice. Uh, that can be helpful. There was, um, I know you're a single mom, and there was a single mom at one of my old churches that uh, her kids all became teenagers, and she felt like she had four teenagers, and the kids were kind of going a little wild, and she's, I need help. And I remember uh, my wife and I coming over and sitting with her and helping her with her teens. What were we doing? We're not trying to do her job for her. We're backing her up. We're showing her teenagers, no, your mom's not crazy. This is what God's word says. This is right. And, and just having more of a community, uh, that can also help as well. Because we're, we're right in there with you. We got kids. We're all raising them. The world is coming for them. It's not easy. Uh, but we got to be patient to keep bringing it back to the word of God and, and make that the authority, because it is the authority. Hopefully that helps. There's not a quick fix, but there is a process that works as we are consistent with the Word of God. Just be as consistent as you can be. And don't, don't be ashamed to be old school, to be seen as old school. Uh, the Bible is not old school. It's, as I mentioned, it's timeless. Braharno?
Yes. Yeah. True. True. Excellent. Excellent. Valerie? <laughs> that happens in your house too? Amen. Amen. That's good. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You're not always going to have a Bible verse hit you in, in, in the moment like you need, but you can lean into him, slow down, let God work. Jason. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. That would tie into the next point. Put the next two points up there, Carl, if you would. Um, remain unencumbered, okay? Uh, as we're cultivating these first four virtues, 
God's giving us the knowledge and he's helping us with the temperance and, and endurance and there's going to be some things that we're going to say, I need to pitch this. This is not helping me. It's not helping my kids. It's giving them the opposite message. I'm actually fighting against myself. It's hard enough to parent. Sometimes Rebecca and I will be like, why are they watching that? What are we doing? Kids, turn it off. We're going to watch something else. That was, that, you, know, you know, you have those moments. What are we thinking? It's hard enough as it is. Let's not make it harder. But remain unencumbered and then be patient. Be patient. Um, I want to give you this before I'm done because we're out of time. So here it is. Godliness is not merely an obsession with sin. If it's an obsession at all, it's an obsession with pursuing Jesus. And I think we oftentimes don't have that emphasis we may say it right, but we, what we emphasize in our lives is, is the other obsession. And so our kids, and some of our kids, you know, they really are not just kids, some of our people really want to do right. They have a, a soft heart and a tight conscience. And they want to be godly, and they obsess over, is this right? Is this right? Is this wrong? Oh, no, did I grieve the Spirit? Ah, and I, yeah, and, and that, that's not walking in the Spirit. That's not the liberty of the Spirit. That's not what we're looking for. If there's an obsession, it needs to be an obsession with our pursuit of the Lord Jesus, our walk with Him. Good discussion here tonight. This has been a journey. This has been helpful for me. I hope it has been helpful for you. Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Lord willing, we'll get into, I think, brotherly kindness and charity next week. Uh, and you know what God tells us about these things in 1 Timothy 6? Godliness with contentment is great gain. You may not have everything else that everybody else has, but if we are nurturing godliness and contentment in the Lord, that is great gain. Lord, thank us. Thank you for your work in us. Thank you for your mercy and faithfulness to us. We pray that we would be humble, that we would be honest, that we would nurture uh, this godliness as we develop a mature walk with you. Help us, Lord, with our kids. Help us at home. I pray that we would help one another by not just having an outward in focus, but an inward out focus. And we know that godliness does manifest itself outwardly. Lord, help us as we seek to cultivate this. May we be authentic. May we be that safe, loving friend that can help another in this journey of faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.